the animals, the animals. Did you does uh do you listen to every single open when you watch Orange Is the Blue New Black, or you just watch it the one time during the season? Uh, watched it the one time. <laughs> uh regina specter so it's stuck in my head because i would just let it roll a lot of times <laughs> and so now i have a total earworm for the next couple of days it just has me bursting into song Thing, da, 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 da. i don't even know the words da, 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 da. and then i see it's all the women song. who are incar- uh, incarcerated who are in the open i need to go look up an article on that like who are those women where are they now? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. They. It feels like they were incarcerated. It feels like there's stories behind all these women. Are they? Are the orange of the new black people based on these women? I don't know. So that was she, my. That was my like headcanon for it. Like, oh, are these the people she was actually in jail with? That I don't know. I'm not sure. We're going to get to orange is the new black. Trust. But before we get there, we're going to talk about Spider Man. Um, I was going to say in the. Spider-Man theme, but I totally blanked when we rolled action. <laughs> so and, you switched to the oranges and the yeah. black. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. What is the modern Spider-Man one? Is it some sort of like bougie shit? Is it some sort of like sweeping? No, theme? they they <laughs> use they use uh, that theme like they do variations of that same old school theme. They do, yeah. Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah. The first, yeah, Homecoming opens like when the Marvel logo comes out, it opens with an orchestral version of it. So, yeah. Oh, wow. They use it. Did not know this. Um, so, Spider Man, Far From Home. Let's talk about it. We missed the first 10 minutes. We had to ask Andre what happened. <laughs> um, it's a thing. We, we, were were trying to, we were trying to get to Beach Cities before the movie rolled. I was hoping we were going to take lunch and go back at the one thirty showing, but we ended up uh, barreling through. And I sat there going, I have no fucking idea the, the frame of reference for this movie because I missed the first 10 minutes. I never missed the first 10 minutes of any movie. Uh, normally, that is not a thing that happens to me. So I was I was very annoyed. We would have never made that one thirty with them. <clears throat> they were too slow. Them. We could have ditched them. We could have like just <laughs> taken them home and ditched them and gone back on our own. Look, I was nice enough to invite them, and it didn't work out. It would have been like... Thanks for all the grapes. Do you know what we gotta do? Is we gotta we gotta go see it again. We have to go see it again. Yeah. So never mind. We're not talking about it on the podcast. I'm just kidding. Ashland, Ashland, Ashland. So how? Okay, I'm just gonna launch right in. Wait, I have a question. I, yeah. Before we start. Sure. Marvel is Disney, isn't it? Correct. How come Spider-Man: Homecoming and that franchise is Columbia Pictures and Warner? Um, because I think it Warner is. Yeah, because I it know was, it's Columbia it's, Pictures. It was shot at Warner Studios, or some of it was shot at Warner Studios. But that could well, still it, mean... that could be yeah. Thanks to Warner Studios, but Columbia and Sony—that's what I mean. Here's what. How happened. does that work? Well, people shoot at all kinds of lots all the time. Yeah, but I, I mean, this was like you know, usually where it says Disney, mm-hmm. Marvel, Disney, it said Sony and Columbia, and I was just like, I thought that was very weird. Is that part of an old deal? I don't know. The Maybe like game. the move merge over or something like you know Where Deadpool. And, yeah, I don't know. so basically the Spider-Man thing is is tricky because Sony owns partial rights to it. Um, it's interesting because the 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 movie so the movie reached one billion dollars during the one billion dollar club Woo! this past week, which is one of the and, we're talking about it. And um, I didn't know about this until after the movie came out, but apparently. 
there was uh, something in the contract that if this movie didn't make a billion dollars, then full creative control would have reverted back to Sony for the third film and oh, not wow. Marvel Studios. <sighs> Thankfully, that did not happen. Yeah. Um, because in my personal opinion, I'm not sure Sony knows exactly what to do with this character as we've seen with the tons of reboots that we've had in the past mm-hmm. and them not p- panning out a certain way. Yeah. Um, and by a certain way, I mean a good way. Um, well, they do so love stories with spandex. That's what they're doing. Which, which is when Marvel got a hold of it, this MCU got a hold of it. They were like, we're going to tell a story about a superhero. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to have a love story. <laughs> In spandex. On the side of a building. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it, it's Sony and Marvel sort of share that partnership. And Columbia Pictures, uh, the Sony acquired the studio uh, back in the late '80s. Uh, so it's technically like uh, in, yeah. in affiliation with Sony. So interesting. That's why. You, you uh, yeah, that. I just thought it was question answered. We we knew Andre would know. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, basically, <laughs> I call Andre with all my Marvel related questions. Really, just any superhero question, I just call. The one one one. I don't know what what whatever Andre's superhero code is. <laughs> the Andre hotline. It is. Andre, I have a question. Does the Green Lantern wear panties anyway? So um, <laughs> he like tends to know a majority of the stuff, and he knows these kinds of things. So we missed the first ten minutes. We don't have to like. We're not going to recap the movie. I just want to say two things. Zendaya is my heart, and I love her in anything. And it's so interesting seeing her in Spider Man now that I've seen her in Euphoria. Um, I love that they gave MJ something to do in this. Mm-hmm. She wasn't, you know, save the girl. Um, she had a little bit of agency in this. They could probably bump that up. She doesn't have to, you know, like have a superhero costume. I'm not saying that, but like I did like that she wasn't just the love interest. And yeah. who was fooled by Jake Gyllenhaal even pretending to be a nice guy? I mean, everybody knows Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play a douche. I mean, is he playing a I good think, guy anymore? I think no one was fooled. I knew he was a good guy because I just knew Mysterio and what his whole deal was. I had no idea but, anything about Mysterio, yeah. or the comics, or anything. I just know that Jake Gyllenhaal and his bushy ass eyebrows cannot be trusted. Now, yeah. look at his bushy ass <laughs> eyebrows. I was just wait- yeah, I was just waiting for. It. I was like, uh, I don't think so. There's something hinky about the man. But I wasn't sure though because I didn't know anything about Mysterio either. Something hinky. Either so sketchy about this dude. So I'm just I think just in real life walking around. I don't trust Jake Gyllenhaal and I was not buying him (laughs) and my family and all this kind of bullshit. What I did grow to immediately love was the wannabe revenge of the nerds. The revenge of the nerds whole angle on this movie made me love it. Uh, And I don't know if anybody of any of you guys watch a Christmas story, but there's a, there's a nobody in this household that I ask knows what a Christmas story is, but in other households across America, a Christmas story is a beloved movie that people put in their, um, their watch list around the holidays and the little kid who plays, I want to say Ralphie, maybe he's Ralphie or maybe the brother's Ralphie. I don't know what the main kid's name is, but he's a main kid in the Christmas story. He is the bald dude, the blonde bald dude with the blue eyes who is Mysterio's right hand nerd dude running the computer drones things. Little bit of, uh, if you're playing any kind of, um, trivia this week, this week, uh, podcast <laughs> trivia, <laughs> but no, I got no joy from anyway. It was I haven't seen it. It's been on for like fifteen years, 
And nobody I know in real life has seen it. Now I'm starting to wonder, is it, um, have I been gassed? <laughs> just you watching The FBI it. just pumping in like drugs into the house and I'm just making shit up now? So. It's like that one. It's like that one movie of the guy that like everyone forgot about the Beatles. Yesterday, yeah, he wrote <laughs> yeah. all the Beatles songs. <laughs> Should be no hey, one dude. The, um, I'm I'm telling you, like make the Christmas story your script, and people will love it. They obviously don't remember it, <laughs> except for the guy who works in Hollywood as a producer who was in it. Who will go? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> or was he? Or was he? The FBI guess. I don't know. Sort of made me feel like Lori Petty and Orange Is the New Black. <laughs> Look, I don't participate. In conspiracy theories, <laughs> I debunked them. Um, so I, I found I loved I loved the theme of it, and I I really the other th- well there's a third thing that I love so Zendaya the Revenge of the Nerds wannabe thing, and I loved that they showed uh, Venice how it really is. Um, mm. BT Dubs they don't want you there. Venice does not want you there. They want your money. They want you to stay at home. There's too many people. The city's sinking. Uh, they hate us all. <laughs> uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I used to get, when I went there firsthand years ago, they're like, get out. And then all my friends who go there, like, get out. I'm like, you know, let's stay out of Venice. There's a Venice over here in California. You can come to this one. We will happily rob and shoot you on the way to you having a wonderful day about the sea. Uh, but you'll Can't feel welcome. to move there. You will feel welcomed <laughs> up until the point that you get robbed. <laughs> You will feel so warm and friendly, M- unlike the other Venice, where you just feel unwelcome the entire time until you're robbed. <laughs> <laughs> the parallels is amazing. Neither Venice is going to hire me for the tourism board, but I love that they showed how it was crowded and not cool. They didn't create, in other words, a Disney version of Venice. Except, and then we get to Prague, then then they're making Prague look beautiful. I'm sure I've never been to Prague. I'm sure it's amazing. I, I imagine that fairies live there when they're not doing fairy shit. I think they just hang out in Prague. I don't know anything about Prague. Uh, <laughs> and Prague and yeah. And it feels like it's really uh really cool, but I know Venice and some of those cities they were in. I was like, mm, yeah, okay. I'm so glad you're showing it for what it really is. It doesn't make me want to go there when I see just thousands of people looking at the same fucking shit. I'm like, I'm just gonna stay at home. I got Google, got a phone, got an iPad. <laughs> Trevi Fountain, <laughs> done. <laughs> Just save myself some money. I'm that person. What, what was your take? I mean, obviously, that's my bits. I don't have anything else to say about Spider-Man Far From Home, except for they really, really enjoyed it. It was great, except for that I missed the first 10 minutes. Well, I hated it, no. Uh, <laughs> no, it surprise, surprise, Aquaman I loved it. too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, we could do an entire podcast on it. There's so much to unpack, but... I, I'm just going to say this. I think going into phase four of the MCU, um, this film being the last of the Infinity Saga, which I'll ask you in a little bit how you felt this movie sort of uh, paired off with Endgame as, as a sort of epilogue for that You can ask uh, me story. now. Ask me now. Okay. Well, how did you feel about that, Lisa? <laughs> I, I, I think I would have loved the context of the first 10 minutes to get the full impact of that. But what I was getting, the fallout of Tony's loss and everything else. By the way, big spoiler alert, big stamped on the description. And I'm saying it now. If you haven't seen Endgame, don't, you know, anything about Marvel, don't come here unless you've seen it. Um, I do feel like I loved the, the way it jumped off into this. And, and, and here's a corner of the world where this happened. I liked that, and I liked how Tony was being honored and remembered, and, and this is stacking on top of this very young man who's having to prove himself. And what yeah. I absolutely adored about it 
in this whole story of phase four is that, you know, we have heroes and they come and go, but it's how we carry on. You know, you have statues mm-hmm. and plaques and homages, but we still have to live in a world where we're here. So I love that, you know, Peter is very unsure of himself. He just wants love. He just wants to live a normal life. And that's, you know, it's like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You're not going to necessarily, you might get to go to prom with MJ, but you might have to slip out and put on your suit and, you know, fight crime. I loved it. I loved it as the next film that came up. It, it makes such mm-hmm. sense to me that they would do it in this almost unassuming way. And, you know, I, I just loved everything about it. I think on. the reason it worked so so well for me is because the MCU is a world that f- just feels so lived in. Do you know what I mean? The world yeah. building is so strong and so consistent. It feels real. And of course, when you have, if we had Iron Man in real life, of course he would be this global phenomenon and everyone around the world would be mourning the loss of this phenomenon. Yes. Um, what did, you, did you feel the same way, Ian, about that? Did you feel like it was seamless? Did you feel like it... Oh yeah, picked it up. Yeah, the baton. Uh, going to going to like another thing that you you mentioned about like the the rest of the people out there, not just you know the rest of us. That I mean, they did that in the first one too. Remember, how it starts off with like um, what's his name's character, you know, scrapping all the alien technology and yeah, just that whole economy, the underground economy of mm-hmm. the fallout of the the Battle of New York. Yeah, and every time they fuck something up, like London or whatever, I'm yeah. like, remember what happened in New York, guys? They, and they don't they don't do <laughs> it that does a feel lot lived in because of that. Yeah, a lot in the other ones, but they they do touch on it, but it, yeah. not as much as they do in, with the the. Spider-Man franchise. I love I that they keep track of it like that. Although I have to say, we're sitting there with your parents and they haven't caught up uh, on any of the last four or five films of Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> your dad looks at us. As, a, as the credits were rolling, we're waiting for the end credit scene and he's like, wait a minute. Iron Man's dead? <laughs> so, so what? what? <laughs> we're like, <laughs> when did that happen? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's like, no. So that's yeah. the way he found out yeah. was like 20 minutes into the movie. He's like, what are they talking about? Iron Man? <laughs> he just I like, mean, you know, by by film 30, <laughs> like, they really yeah. a- are asking something of the audience. They're asking for the for the for the time and commitment to to and if you want to be a part of the story, you have to put a certain amount of time into yeah. it to get the full effect. I well, like the, that um, about the, it. Though. The good thing about that, I do. Though, is that I they like won't it care. about it. Yeah. You yeah. know, they can they can just like what we did, they can go backwards and then Put the pieces together. I think, and, and be literally like, totally backwards. Totally fine. Literally backwards. Yeah. But I do feel like that's what I love about it is like they don't. This is probably why it makes a billion dollars. I think it's because these movies make so much money is because people, we love this. We dig this. We dig the world that you have to have seen the film before to get the full experience. Don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel like you're playing a video game and you're leveling up. Like you've, you've put in the time. You know who everybody yeah. put all the little <laughs> side jokes. You're like, oh my God, I'm at level, you know, 120 at this point because I know. All the players, mm-hmm. and I get the little asides, except for you know, no one of the audience knows who the fuck was in the Christmas story. <laughs> and that's why every time a Marvel, <clears throat> excuse me, a Marvel film comes out, it feels like an event. I mean, Endgame aside, that was more than just an event. I, it, it was crazy, but every time it comes out, the chatter around it is absolutely insane. And of course, the you know the box office reflects that. Um, but no, this film, I'm loving what they're doing with, with the new Spider-Man. I love that they're, they're not falling into the same, they're almost boldly denying falling into the, um, tropes of the, of the past reincarnations, particularly about MJ. Cause if you go back to that Raimi trilogy, MJ did nothing except 
get kidnapped. Like that's every movie is the same because at the end she gets kidnapped and she screams for five minutes until Spider-Man saves her. And you can say what about that, that about what you will. I mean, those are very talk about comic book adaptations. That is just a comic book literally brought to life. And sometimes it doesn't work. Um, But no, this film, especially the end credits, the end credits where Peter gets outed as Spider-Man, I'm just like, oh, there's the shoe that I was waiting for drop. Yes, yes. I was like, of course Marvel is doing this. Of course, because Peter is the only one. That nobody knows who the fuck they are. Exactly. And Marvel was like, we're going to put him in this room that he's never been in. We're going to put, I mean, like the character in the Civil War comics, Peter outs himself. Um, but you know, a lot of the drive behind the Spider-Man comic books is his secret identity. And to have Marvel take that away, very risky, but very admirable. And I cannot wait to see what they do with it. Well, it steps past the old, like, oh, look, it's Superman. No one can recognize him with his glasses on. It's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) you people are really going to be surprised by deep fake videos. Um, first people to believe it. The people who all this entire time were like, we didn't know Superman was Clark Kent. <laughs> You're on Facebook. The Russians have you, you know, hacked. Exactly. I love that they stepped past the, the, the one note jo- joke on that. I mean, I'm not, I'm no shit on Stanley. I don't mean one note joke. I'm just saying like, when we get past the mystery of when we get into the business of who Peter is. And I love the idea that he doesn't, he can't take over for Iron Man. But he's he's can step into some some form of those shoes, and he's got happy. And I loved the whole interaction between oh. John Favreau and Tom Holland and his happy and and Peter. Yes. It was my favorite fucking thing. And in now the movie. he's he's dating Aunt May, yeah. so that means like there's that whole. You <laughs> he's know. not dating Aunt May. He's he's banging it out <laughs> with Aunt May. He's holding on to her hair, he's hooking up, making happy noises. Y'all know y'all saw it in your head. I'm not the first one. I'm not the first one. Anyway, mm, love that. that is cool um, that they were able to find the spot for you know for him. I loved it. Yeah. I, I loved the whole thing about it. There was just there's a lot of just the fact that the the, the ship landing over the beautiful flowers of Holland and the windmill in the background. It's <laughs> like I know you're used to this trope over here, but we're just plopping our American shit in the middle of this. And blah. I just like how it just does its own thing. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. MJ's figured it out all, all along, and and I just I loved just the simplicity of it. And then can we just talk about the unsung hero of this entire thing was JB Smooth? JB Smooth says like five things in this movie, but he steals the show. That's JB Smooth for you, just in general in any room. But he's like the witches are back. <laughs> I just love that it's, it's witches. witches in his mind. He's just he's solved it. It's it's witches. He's he's lived through the blip. He's seen like. You know what? Half of the planet disappear, but he's gonna he's gonna sum this up to witches. Which I'm sorry, I just find something so inherently hilarious: the idea that a bunch of high schoolers are calling the biggest genocide in history the blip. Of course they would. <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> to me. Blip life. Yeah, you know what they would be. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, hashtag blipped. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and then i love martin Starr, who's like trying to recover from his you know his wife running off she pretended like she blipped yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right and he's just going through a midlife crisis (laughs) only the mcu can turn something that was traumatic at the end of one movie 
and make it a running joke yeah. for the ne- it's so it's so good um i love I the phrase guys- lived in world now that you said it that's kind of how i see yeah. it it's a beautiful way to say all of this it's a lived in world well, and to go on on top of that, I noticed in the theater that that scene where he's on the plane, um, he's sitting next to the teacher, and he looks at the the screen and he sees like the Iron Man documentary. I don't know if you guys caught some of the films that were also next to it. One I was of them trying was, like, to. Yeah, one of them said Finding Wakanda. The other one was. <laughs> the other one was like titled like The Snap, and it was like a documentary about like what happened after that. And I'm right. like. Of course, people would make documentaries about this stuff in this I love world. It. Of course, I love, that would be the whole that would yeah that all they would be obsessed with. But it would also be very normal. Life would go on as usual. There would still be the run of yeah. the mill stuff, and there would be people like JV Smooth going, which is you know like there would be all the people yeah. who knew and the people who were just like avoiding. I loved all the reactions to it too. Yeah. Um, Peter Billingsley is his name. Speaking of Peters, he is the one who plays William. He was in Iron Man as William Ginter Riva. Mm-hmm. What Peter Billingsley does most of the time is produce. He's a producer and executive producer. So if you look up his producer credits, he's like F is for family and um, nothing I really... Dinner for Five. I think he was a producer on Dinner for Five, blah, blah, blah. But, like, yeah, he's shown up in a couple of things, and I'm like, he played Ralphie, and I was right. It was Ralphie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and just just to wrap up, because I know we're, we're yes, long time. we got to do Orange um, back, yeah. With, with uh, Mysterio and his whole, like, as you say, gang of, <laughs> of revenge nerds, um, another instance of just, like, the world being lived in, like... In the comic books, Quentin Beck was a special effects guy in a major Hollywood studio. He got fired, so he used that his his skills to create all of these illusions. And I love the MCU version of that is just him in a mocap suit. Right. <laughs> like I love my it. favorite I thing. I love it. That was my favorite thing to see him in a mocap suit. Yeah. I was like, this is genius. This is literally what Jake and, was issued to make the movie as his costume and when he did his gig. I, I loved it. And there's there's the woman like ironing the cape, making it ready for like... So funny. <laughs> so, I loved all the so nerds in the bar just being like, us, us, revenge of the Well, nerds. also, where that technology came from being, uh, you know, the opening scene, not the opening scene, but like the one of the beginning scenes in Captain America Civil War where Tony sort of digitally recreates his childhood and Quentin Beck being one of the scientists on that team, I'm like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. The technology was right there. It's a deep background. It's right there in front of you. I love it. I mean, I love how they're just, they go back, like what they're doing with Loki and and all of these things. We'll just run off in this direction of that. We'll run off in this direction. And people are here for it, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, all of this to say, I can't wait to see what they do next with the character. I'm very excited. And I'm so glad that he's found his place in the MCU. Okay, so I have to say, I love the- our segue music. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the segue. We're just gonna. <laughs> we're Fuck just gonna the fact that we have a musician on the podcast. This is just gonna mess it all up by singing <laughs> shit. So. Um, I have to say it was interesting how they got rid of all of our ancillary characters going into season seven, the final season of <laughs> going to kill daddy, going to send, um, what was her name? Bad, 
badassery. I don't know what her name is. Badison. Badison away. They just Thank dispatched God. people very quickly. And then we got, we're, then it was about getting all more core people back together and then a bunch of cameos. I really enjoyed this last season because the season acknowledged in front of us that it knew that we were really about that season one cast uh, and season two cast. Those are the first two strong and the strongest season uh, seasons in the run are one and two. And they knew that. And they gave us all of our folks back. Uh, we were still left with a lot of people that we had inherited. And again, if we had, if this season, if this show had run 10 seasons and you slowly phased all these people up and out and whatever, maybe what you wouldn't have felt it, but knowing they probably weren't going to run a long, long time, still seven seasons. I felt like I'll always say this about Orange is a New Black, incredibly lovely show to watch, but just you're stacking too many people in there. Yes, it's a story about prison. There are a lot of people in prison. Look, this is America. We have people in prison all the time. It's our thing. But mm -hmm. a show with a, a deck this stacked is really hard to to explore all those stories. And I didn't I realize... Yeah, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I feel like by the time we got to season seven, they had figured it out in the 11th hour. Yeah. I was like... Uh, about halfway through, I'm like, okay, this this season is working so much better. What were they doing last season that wasn't working? And it was because they introduced a lot of characters, which isn't necessarily like a doomsday scenario for your show that's six seasons in, but if you don't know how to integrate them in a way that the audience is going to care about them, when you just had the shit show that was season five and you want to see how that fallout affects the characters you already know. Right. And we're wasting scenes on people that we don't know. It's kind of hard to feel excited about getting into these new characters. So I think that was a little bit of a, of a bumpy step and the whole thing, the whole like, like gang war between the blocks and the kickball thing. I think that was just too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like we got in there, the show was like, Great. Voiceover, check. Trim the fat, check. Um, moving on. Going back right. to what we know. Right. And there I, was something... I'm glad they did that for themselves, though. I'm glad they sent themselves out oh, yeah. like that, rather than sort of limping off into a ditch and dying alone. You know, they actually they did <laughs> what they're really get, good at, you know. Well, yeah. Yes. I mean, it was like from the end of last season, they, they, they had a definite plan, you know, yeah. to scale everything down and then hit it, you know, hit that hammer or that nail on the head with with these poignant issues that they addressed on this last season. Oh, and they made no bones. Yep. They embraced it. They stepped <laughs> right into where we are with our border um, fiasco that has been completely manufactured as a propaganda war to whip people up, literally manufactured. And so the show stepped right into, well, here's the byproduct of that. Here are the women who suffer because of that. Here's a mother who's lost her husband and she's trying to protect her children and she gets deported and then also shares the knowledge on the way out with Flaka, who's able to, so that story can go any kind of way. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm, I was really proud of the show for, they didn't half ass it. They jumped right yeah. on it because this, yeah. they live right in that place. This is, so they switched that whole facility to the ice facility, the cocky, crazy, power mad right wingers who are in charge were spot on yeah. that ice guy who yes. happens to be a latina a salvating latina man latin uh latin man sorry, latino man with his glasses on the back of his fucking head like a fucking pompous asshole and then you've got the the woman who just loves you know she was the one who was taken hostage during the, the siege 
She's on mm-hmm. top. Linda. Yeah, yeah. And Linda just loves her elitist, you know, right wing fucking power. And guess who ends up being warden? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it didn't feel that didn't feel tone deaf at all to me. I was like, right. You guys really you knocked it out of the park. Yeah. By capturing some of these themes. And, I you, and you had to because because these to- these are these are current topics. There's a lot of voices going on. It's a yeah. lot of yelling. And what they did brilliantly was they cut all the voices out and they made they, they took all everything that's distracting, all the distracting storylines, and they were just able to focus all of their energy on this and they did a masterful job. Yeah, I mean they did. shit. It's and like what- it put it right in front of my face in a way that I was like, you know, I know this is the, the what they did is fiction. But it just made me imagine how much worse is what's really going on. And then they would mix in their levity. It wasn't yeah. just a big, heavy fucking brick like we've seen in past seasons where it's just so fucking heavy. It's a boat anchor. So you have yeah. this this horrible stuff. And then you've got Caputo and uh, what's her head uh, trying to have the baby. And I love how she just is about his Me Too moment. I love that she's just like <laughs> punking on him the entire time. Yeah. Don't sexually harass people. And then they're eating popcorn and she goes, Me Too. I'm just like, I loved... <laughs> How they handled his Me Too moment of like, oh my god, I'm fucking part of the problem. I've never, I've never liked Figaro until this season. Yeah, Figaro yeah. was amazing. not a, not yeah. even as like a person, like as a character. I just didn't like her. No, until she's amazing. We got to this season she, and like I adored um, her. I ended the season going, yeah. I want to see more of this actor everywhere. She's fucking amazing. Yes, as soon as they started delving into the layers of the character, then I understood the character more. No, I feel like. And I know we talked about this when we did our podcast on this last season and how the show sort of like just smacked you out of nowhere with, you know, Flores getting out or sorry, Bianca getting out and getting into the ice truck. And I remember feeling some type of way about it because yeah. I'm like, I I get it. But also art is going to exist after Trump is out of office. Yes. But now I'm feeling different about it because... Because the show, I think the show leaned in so heavily. And I don't know if it's because since that season came out, I feel like the situation with that stuff is just getting worse. Yes. And the fact that the show is not afraid to engage with it and show you stories in that situation was just really, you know, and there were some wins this season and there were a lot of losses for multiple people and multiple characters. Well, they faked us out. I yeah. mean, all of us were tracking with uh, with Tasty. I, my heart was in my throat the entire time I was watching Tasty. She's got oh, a live yeah. sentence for something she didn't do. Suzanne, you know, there's not enough evidence for that. Suzanne even wrote her book about it, and it wasn't going to get uh, Tasty out of a life sentence. You know, and then she's got Tamika there, who's now the warden, and like you can just see that everything failed her. Every single fucking thing in the system failed her, even when she got out. You know, and their flashbacks this time were for a purpose as well. They didn't feel tacked on. They felt like they added something yes. to the something that would just really filled in the actor. And they didn't do it some random like guest character for the season. We went back to our core characters and had flashbacks. Sometimes within even the realm of our show to go. Mm-hmm. This is where Tasty landed when she repeated and came back when she with the recidivism or whatever came back because that's where she felt most um, comfortable. And then, you know, I, yeah. when you think about uh, Black Cindy or Toba's experience, it's she's in a different prison. Again, again, I know people are very heavy-handed with the metaphors on the show, but she literally was not any better off by being outside the prison in a way because Cindy doesn't have a whole lot of opportunity for herself either. She's hinged to the past just like Tasty was. 
but you see hope for both of them. You see, once we see that Tasty is not going to kill herself, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about going out of this series with Tasty being dead. But I got it. I totally understood it. I understood yes. her wanting to kill herself. But then the deflection is the entire time you're following that ball, you've got your eye on that ball, you do not see Pensatucky yeah, coming. Exactly. You don't see that mm. death. And like you said, it's like she was the sacrifice. Yeah. She yeah. sacrificed herself. Because of Tamika and Pensatucky, Tasty lived. And yeah, finally, totally. somebody didn't let her down, you know. It was, that's what kept her around. And because she did, she wasn't going to stick around for no reason. And that song they were playing, America. Oh. <sighs> I lost it. That tracking shot up to her with her head yeah. after she had her last meal. And I was like, I I lost it for, for like, Probably a good eight minutes. I was a blubbering mess hole. I felt like, yeah, I felt like I was tearing up in every single episode. And yeah. I don't know if it was because yeah. I was feeling the end coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was that, or literally just like this, uh, probably because it's mirroring real life a lot. Um, but, you know, I, th I think about the show and how unique it is. And the reason it's unique is because this is a sort of representation that we don't have. Meaning what prison is and you know of course some things are dramatized and fictionalized but the core of what actually happens is there um and how it's so easy for us to say like oh you're out you know you can start a new life and get a new job and da 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 and then the show really leaned on. this is something the show hasn't really done before because before when someone would get out and then go back in you would feel either mad at the character or the show being like they got their break they fucked it up so easy like what happened but then this season told you look even making a good decision or the right decision will end you, will end you back up in prison right you're 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 started out at such a low level and how the country expects you to get back on uh, back on your feet with no money, your probation fees, constant drug tests, trying to get a job, trying to get somewhere to stay where some you know, some people coming out don't have a place to stay. So you, they end up on the streets like there was so something is so incredibly real. And I think that's what we all appreciated about it, Yeah, that it was not afraid to be real and be like, this is what's going on. This is our justice system. Let's do something about it. I loved that message of it. And then I love that we got arcs. Uh, we oh. got arcs in, um, in Crazy Eyes' character, Suzanne. We got to see her evolve and start to put things together. I love her whole thing about, I don't deserve to be in here either, do I, when she's talking to her mom. And I, mm -hmm. I lost it there, too. It's like, I didn't know yeah. I was going to do that thing. I didn't plan to hurt that kid. I didn't know what I was doing. What are you talking about? Like, there are so many questions that the season asked that it didn't, it didn't ask before. I'm not saying the other seasons were missed opportunities, but there is an no. element of that to it. There's a just sort of a backdrop of that for me. Like, you had this... It was just a lot of women fighting over things, like the mothers beefing and, and whatever. And the, and the... I felt like there was some seasons where I'm like, couldn't we be doing something else? Mm -hmm. maybe I didn't see the stories, but I felt like this season just got it. They they talked about the bigger picture. They talked about individual lives. We saw our characters evolve. We saw we lost characters, you know. 
We had our flashback to Pusey, which everybody loved, right? Of course. Getting yeah. to see um, Sophia, you know, out and about. Yeah. Getting to see, even if it was at the end, you know, getting to see everybody, like, they live yeah, on. Yeah, I did not, you know. yeah, I didn't realize just how big the the cast was until they, they were cutting back between all the characters that we had gotten to know. I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the Asian lady with the oranges, I remember, yeah. you know, it was, I mean, like, yeah. I'm back, um, motherfuckers. <laughs> Open floor plan. <laughs> the stuff with with Red and Lorna specifically for me was oh just like, at some points I just had to pause and be like, okay, get it together. <laughs> yeah. I have to watch. Well, I felt for Nikki. I felt for Natasha Leone, by the way. I just felt like in every scene it looked like it was real tears. And then when they showed the end credits, I'm like, oh, no, she really was crying. She felt a little unhinged <laughs> in a couple of things. I'm like, I think that's real. And then I was right. I was like... Yeah. Oh, I wasn't imagining things. She really was kind of falling apart. Um, yeah, and that was that was. I think it, it was like what you were saying. It was that was part partially that it's going to be. Do- it's done. Yeah, it, I think that plays a, a big part of it too. Because I have the same feelings that I have, like when Game of Thrones ended. I was just like, not just as a, a watcher, but as as you know, a person who works. Like you guys had this opportunity to do that. Yeah, and I was like, again really thankful that they got to experience that and that's like once in a lifetime thing if you ever get to yeah you know yeah they'll never be that crew on that day on that show it's just one and done you can never repeat it you really can't even if you came back two weeks later it really wouldn't be the same i don't know what to say what that's like but it's like especially sets you go back and do pickups like two months later six months later it's it's over it's like you're just doing pickups on that show it doesn't continue on it's like as soon as they call, you know, picture wrap. Yeah. Something changes. happens. Fairies come and take away yeah, the dust. The and- magic the magic goes because now we now you, you no longer live in that world. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. And there's a there's a, a finality to it. I yeah. how they handled Red and Lorna, they didn't just throw storylines away, by the way. I appreciated that. Down to like giving mm-hmm. a guard a scene like she was my friend. Having Suzanne sing the Mountain Dew theme and then have the duet with a guy who... I know those themes, by the way. I grew up with those themes in the South. I was bawling like a baby because it was such an odd, fitting, perfect send-off. I think it was more... I think it messed me up more in in a way than even Poussey because, Mm. you know, she's such a tragic figure, figure Pensatucky. There was yeah. just a lot of I was just a pinball of like between Lorna and then Nikki handling Red and Lorna and then losing the baby and then everything was but they kept it right on track. Like they kept it right on the track. Nothing ran amok. Nothing ran a fa- foul. We had our moments with all of our people, even if it was brief, and, and it felt like a lived-in world, to borrow your phrase from the Spider-Man conversation. I felt like, okay, you've made us feel like all these people have they live somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. except for Diaz, you know, runaway baby daddy. He went to Broadway or something. We ain't seen that bitch since. Oh, he yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt McCory. Yeah. Matt McCory. He, no he, idea where he went. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> you know, uh, Or maybe they shot it and we won't see it. I mean, I don't know. They had all the time in the world. Those episodes could be as long as they want. But mm-hmm. they they did the right thing in sending the show out. I feel like they did. They, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to talk really quick about Piper. I know you don't very much care for the character, but this season, I didn't, there was something that they were doing. Like 
I've never much been a fan of Piper really either. Pretty much since like the beginning. I'm just like so many more interesting stories to worry about and to see. But what they did this season, I was I'll just say I wasn't looking at my phone as much. Um, and I think it was me living vicariously a little bit because, you know, her relationship with uh, uh, Alex, while very different, um, kind of struck some notes with some relations I've, ha- I've had with the past. And like, I can very much relate to what this is. I mean, like not relate, take the prison thing out of it, <laughs> but like being that long distance thing having those second thoughts, that sort of thing. And just her struggling to get back up on her feet. Now, of course, by the end, when she's like going to galas and like doing yoga and going to the gym, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to see you struggle. But like once yeah. you're back into like the high, high class white people shit, I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think she ever really struggled, but that's just me. I feel like seven years ago, it took a white woman going to prison, a pretty white girl from Connecticut going to prison and writing a memoir for a series to get made. Um, and I've said it since season one that the black and brown characters and the real people in the story of Frida and, and Nikki, you know, the drug addicts, I mean, that's the people who are getting locked up because they're on the other side of the big, great elitist wall. And that's yeah. what I wanted to see. So that's why I've never really cared about, you know, and it was lovely. I think there at the end, I love that Alex set her free and I didn't mind Piper as much, but I was just right there going, it's seven years later. Can we now, we're now doing it. Now you launch a Netflix series and it has all black characters in it. And a white girl doesn't need to go to prison for us to have a show about prison on TV. So our reasons for showing up and doing these stories anymore have changed. So she felt to me mm-hmm. like really a vintage storyline by the end. Um, I just didn't mind her as much. She wasn't whining as much. Um, yeah. But I still didn't care what happened to her. <laughs> she can swing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, yeah. So that's it. I mean, like that's maybe callous of me, but I mean, again, like white lady stories. I mean, I'm already still my eyes still rolling from the last season. The Big Little Lies is still twitching. So I don't know why I keep signing up for this white nonsense. I'm not gonna do it next time. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna watch next season. Big Little Lies. Y'all want to tell me what the highlights in the beauty salon that I don't go to. So. But ish about that. So yeah, I just want to hear more realistic, reflecting stories of America. Also, I'm going to go out on this note. I'm not going to say any more. The basic bitch uh, music of Orange is the New Black is basically the blandness that is, has been a theme of this show. Uh, there are amazing songs that they choose that knock me off my feet, but the mm-hmm. score and the incidental music is so, I don't know, it's like what, Brady Bunch? Why are we like, the music's trying to tell you how to feel and it's always annoyed me and this season I was very much aware of it more than I ever have been I'm like don't tell us how to feel with the music what are you doing it's like a laugh track I I despised the music in the last season of Orange is the New Black and I've never really cared for it I'm not talking about the songs the songs are bomb songs are awesome but the fucking score bug the shit out of me as much as Piper's white nonsense. And I think it I think it doesn't help that they use basically the same tracks. Over it doesn't feel like basically it doesn't feel like someone's scoring it. It no. feels like 
feels like they put some apple loops to out. Oh, no, that's really yeah. Mean. No, I feel like the I feel um, like the editor had a bunch of apple loops and went here you go. She feels sad. Ooh, a poignant moment. I'm like, fuck off. I didn't want it. They should have left the music. If you're going to do that, just leave the music out of it. But I felt it would be very uh, insulting to the audience. So, y'all, whomever's scoring that show, stop. Stop doing that. Next show, don't do that. Fucking hated it. Hated it. And now that y'all heard this, you're going to go back and watch it. And you're going to be aware (laughs) of it. And you're going to be bugged by it. It's just insulting your intelligence. You don't need that music score to tell that stinger to tell you. But the mm-hmm. songs, like Tasty to that America song, I was on the floor. So who was choosing that? If it's the same person, okay, awesome thing you do with the songs. Over here with the incidental score music, please stop. Get a friend. Yeah. And uh, to add on to that, I didn't notice that it was like telling me what to feel. I, I felt that it was just giving away too much. Well, yeah, there's, there's that there's too. A, there's a there's a fine line between that. There's ways to tell the audience what's coming next that isn't so like glaring the way the show has the show has done it. So that's what bothered me about it, and that it didn't feel like someone was scoring it. It felt like a lot of canned music. Yeah, just, you know. So. All right. So. That's Spider-Man and Orange is the New Black. We have a lot of shows to catch up on. We're going to go and do that exactly this moment right now. Uh, I hope you guys are watching Years and Years. Scary show on TV. Swear to God. It's what Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale was going to be. But it was really uh, Years and Years. Scares the bejesus out of me. So I'm going to go get scared. And then there's a new hacker documentary on Netflix we're going to talk about next time. Uh, That'll scare the shit out of you because that's actually really happening at this moment. So please watch it. It's about all that technology stuff you've been worrying about. Master Hacker. I don't know what it's called. It has Hacker in the title. It's on Netflix. You can see it right now. It's the top of the queue. Go see it and be paranoid. And don't listen to this podcast because we're using mind control drugs (laughs) in the code. No, I'm just kidding. If we were that smart, I would not be doing a podcast. All right. So uh, take care of yourself and have a lovely week, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.